Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. Pastor John talked about this uh, message on rest uh, a couple months ago, uh, and, and it was a very timely word I, I felt because here's the thing, Abundant Life, we are very passionate on that every person, every believer uh, can live a life that is emotionally healthy. Because we believe that you cannot be spiritually healthy if you are emotionally unhealthy. And so today, uh, we're going to continue this. Uh, I'm going to speak today. Pastor John's going to speak uh, next week. Uh, today, we're going to focus on grief and loss. Now, I know today, um, when, especially hitting those words, grief and loss, uh, this can be very triggering. Because we've had a very rough year. We've had a very rough couple of years. Uh, we've had some. We have had many losses, not just in our own church family here, but we've had many losses in our community. Uh, and so th- this can be very hard, because anytime we're talking about grief and loss, that means that we're going to have to feel things. And if we have to feel things, well, that we're not prepared for them, well, we don't want to feel it. And so we can immediately shut down. And that's not my goal today. That's not our heart and why we want to have these conversations on emotional health through grief and loss. You know, what we hope to accomplish is that we can see every individual to enlarge their souls when it comes through grief and loss. And that's a very important word I want us to understand, that word enlarge. You know, it means to, uh, to magnify. Because what we don't understand is that the moment that you and I were born, we would begin to experience loss. And so that's why it's so important for us to enlarge our souls to receive God's truth, to receive God's promises, and to cling to it and to hold on to it in our life for when we do experience those losses. You know, our culture commonly interprets losses as an attack on our normal lives, and if we are continuing experiencing loss, we have to cling and we have to repeat and we have to keep going back to who God is in us and who we are in him. If you're familiar with the book of Job, I think if there's anybody that was the best example of somebody who has grieved and has lost, it would be Job. Job, he, he lost all 10 of his children through a sudden disaster. They died. He lost all of his wealth, even though he was one of the richest people in the world. He lost his health to the point to where he was physically unrecognizable. You know, some of these things, they, they, they've happened to us. For some of us, we experience losses more slowly over a span of a lifetime uh, until we find ourselves on, on death's doorstep. We're leaving everything behind, all of our relationships, all of our possessions, all of our health. And I want you to think with me for a moment of the losses that we accumulate over a lifetime. There are devastating losses such as the death of a child or the premature death of a loved one, a disability, a divorce, rape, emotional or sexual abuse, an incurable disease, infertility, miscarriage, the shattering of a lifelong dream, suicide, betrayal, and so much more. Sometimes losses come from natural disasters or catastrophic events. Other times losses come in more natural or expected ways. You know, we might graduate high school or college and we experience a loss. We, 
we may move to a new city or to a church and those former friendships, they begin to fade away. Our children no longer depend on us as they grow older and no longer live in the same house. They move out or they get married. There's a change or transition in leadership at church, grandparents die. All of these might be considered normal losses, but that doesn't make them any less worthy of being grieved. No one escapes suffering in life, and what may feel like an insignificant loss to you may be a catastrophic loss to me. And that's because God has made each and every one of us different. Our problem, though, is that culture devalues loss and grief because our culture places such a high value on controlled and continued ascent through life. Grief requires surrender, but we require control. And we want to control things to keep going up. We, we, we want to control things to keep going the way that best fits us whether that be the stock market, whether that be the economy, or even just uh, mastering things in the spiritual life. So when that loss happens, we instantly uh, or instinct, instinctually you know, deny or minimize that loss by distracting ourselves or numbing ourselves instead of actually embracing it and allowing God to fully heal us through it. Sometimes we blame others. Sometimes, you know, we, uh, for, for some of us, you know, we grew up in a different culture. We grew up in, in a certain family way. And, you know, how our family reacted to losses is what was taught to us. Some of us come from families where sadness was a sign of weakness. You know, you weren't allowed to be depressed. You weren't allowed to show any kind of emotion. You know, also in our culture, addiction has become the most common way to cope when we're experiencing losses, when we're experiencing uh, grieving. You know, we watch TV for hours just to, not to feel. We, we go from one thing to the next, running from one activity to another. We work 50 to 70 hours a week. We indulge in pornography. We drink. We take pills. Anything to help us avoid dealing with that loss. Anything to grieve. And none of us want to face the fact that none of us were ever in control to begin with. It's not an exaggeration that, to say that our culture is loss-denying or, or grief-phobic. I know growing up how I initially viewed uh, grieving was not to do it. Mike, don't feel. Mike, don't show emotion. You know, but we have feelings and we have hurts. But I viewed it as this obstacle that stood in my way of getting closer to Jesus. So let me not focus on this thing that hurts me. Let me not focus on this thing that makes me feel these things that I'm not comfortable with. And let me just keep putting my eyes on Jesus because if I can focus on Jesus, then I'll be able to overcome this hurdle. But according to God, learning to welcome grief before him is essential to emotional health. We need to welcome grief before God because it is essential for us to be emotionally healthy. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I I thank you just for this opportunity just to be in your presence. God, we are talking about something that many of us, we don't like to talk about. 
But God, I, I believe that you not only want us to be spiritually healthy, you want us to be emotionally healthy. And so, Father, I just pray that every one of us that is here today listening to you, God, we open up our hearts, we open up our souls to receive you. We love you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So welcoming grief before God is essential to our emotional health. You know, it's in fact one of the main ways that God enlarges our soul and to transform us to not only love God more, but also to love others more. And it's, in, it's not possible to grow spiritually maturity without the grief. If you have your Bibles today, I want to encourage you to go to Matthew chapter 26. We're going to be reading when, when Jesus is in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is the night before he, began, he bears the sins of the world. In Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 36, it says this, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, May this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you would not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. I think it's important to understand that we know that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is also God, and he's also man. And in this moment, he is showing a side of vulnerability that we haven't seen before from him. You know, Jesus showed emotion from what we've read. You know, he has shown compassion. We've also seen him uh, get angry, and we also see him get frustrated or disappointed uh, with the disciples. But here we see Jesus literally asking God the Father, if there is any way to go about this, God, if there is any other way to bring your children to have a relationship with you, if there's any other way where I don't have to face the humiliation, that I don't have to face the beating, if I don't have to face the hurt, may this cup be taken away. He's literally asking God to take away this grief, the grieving of what's to come. But I think it's also important to understand that God sees our grief and our losses differently than us. That God sees our grief as foundational and critical components to grow into our spiritual maturity. And that's why enlarging our souls through grief is important to our emotional health. And so today I want to encourage us how to biblically grieve. No matter how small or how large or how heavy that grieving season is. No matter how big 
that loss is, there is a biblical way to grieve, and there's three phases. The first phase is this, that we have to pay attention to it. There's numerous times that we see grieving in the Bible. Job, for example, he screams out holding nothing back, Job 3. It says, may the day of my birth perish in the night that said a boy is conceived. That day may it turn to darkness. May God above not care about it. May no light shine on it, Job 6. If my misery could be weighed and my troubles be put on the scales, they would outweigh all the sands of the sea. For the Almighty has struck me down with his arrows. Their poison infects my spirits. God's terrors are lined up against me. The man literally cursed the day he was born. He did not mince words. He held nothing back. He's recognizing, hey, God, I'm feeling something, and it's not good. We forget that two-thirds of the Psalms, mostly written by David, are laments or complaints to God. David shouts at God. He, he goes full-on rage, and he has these wild prayers, and he tells God exactly what he is feeling. David even wrote a lamentation in 2 Samuel 1 when he lost uh, King Saul and his best friend Jonathan. The same Saul that was trying to kill him. He wrote a song of lamentation, his feelings. We have an entire book in the Old Testament called Lamentations. Ezekiel lamented. Daniel grieved. Jesus wept over Lazarus and he cried in grief over Jerusalem. Biblical grieving calls us to pour out our feelings to God. I'm not sure where I picked this up um, to stuff my feelings. Um, it, it, could, it could be that I had a dad that really, the only emotion I ever saw him show was anger. Um, I don't know if it was in the um, culture of just manning up, uh, that it was a sign of weakness for men. Uh, if you showed emotion or if you had feelings. And so I just remember being uh, young, going, I was in a Christian college program in my early 20s, and there were these things that I felt would offend me or they annoyed me, um, they irritated me. And I would take those emotions and I would just stuff it. Because I felt like that's what a good Christian leader does, is just you, you stuff them. Because good Christian leaders don't get hurt or disappointed. Can I call baloney on that? Yes, we do. We all do. We all get hurt. We all get disappointed. So by stuffing what I was feeling, I actually missed out on connecting with God in so many ways. I allowed people to take advantage of me. They took advantage of my kindness and my loyalty. I would shut down the moment I felt overwhelmed and stressed which led to addiction, which also led to me feeling more inadequate than I already felt. My struggle was I wasn't inviting God in the moment of where I was at. And when we don't process before God the very feelings that make us human, such as fear and sadness and anger, we leak. You know, there, there's a saying I hear a lot of times in our culture, fake it till you make it. I feel like that's so terrible. Because it, 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 it creates this false ideology that we can force something by our own means and our own strengths and efforts and not trust in the strength of the one true God. If you try to live without dealing with the grieving and the feelings, 
it will eventually come out and may not come out in the way that you want it to. When we leak, when we stuff ourselves with these feelings, we begin to leak out in soft ways like being passive-aggressive, sarcastic comments, giving the silent treatment, joking about things that shouldn't be joked about because you don't want to feel, or, or, or even pulling away entirely to, to the point of isolation. Grieving is not possible without paying attention to our emotions. The second phase of biblical grieving is waiting in the confusing in-between. Now, let's unpack this word first, the waiting. How many of you like to wait? Yeah, that's what I thought. Oh, you filthy liar back there. Nobody likes to wait. We like to relax, (laughs) but relaxing is not the same as waiting. We know our culture doesn't like to wait because there's literally an app for everything that you can think of. Oh, I want this. It gets delivered. Oh, it's not getting here fast enough? Oh, let me pay a little bit more so I can get the after, right? We don't like to wait. Our culture doesn't enjoy it. I I don't like traffic. If there is an app to remove traffic, I would be all about that. Some of you are currently waiting for me to wrap up this message because you all got plans. (laughs) Or because you don't like to get stuck in the church traffic, in the parking lot. Oh, I'm hitting deep right now. Lord Jesus, right now, just meet us where we're at. Grief forces us to wait, and waiting is hard. Because what do we do when we're just waiting? We're, we're left alone in, in our thoughts of the worst places to be is in our own thoughts. David in the Psalms waited on the Lord as he was fleeing from King Saul or when he was hiding in the desert from his enemies. The truth we all know is that God is good. And his love endures forever. But the problem we see is that our circumstances don't look that way. When we experience setbacks and struggles and and losses, that God is inviting us to wait. And the question is, will we allow ourselves to wait or will we try to control? I understand why Abraham, after 11 years of waiting on God's promise, he took matters in his own hands and had a child with Hagar at birth, Ishmael. I think we try to birth many Ishmaels in our lives because we get tired of waiting on God's promises. Because we believe that there's something greater than what God promised. But all we're settling for is some cheap substitution. Psalms 37.7 says, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Wait patiently for him to act. You know what I learned about waiting? It teaches us to be humble. Waiting teaches us humility. To to surrender our own wants, to surrender our own needs, to surrender even what we think things should look like. We're still trusting God. And if you need a better example, look at Jesus in the garden. 
away from all these distractions on his face before God, literally crying out to God, if there is any other way, God, please make it happen. Make it so. That's what he prayed the first time. And then by the time he came back to God the second time, you can begin to see it's like, God, hey, I know what needs to get done. You can take the cup, great, but I know what needs to get done. And he prays the same thing the third time. The struggle in the waiting season is that, yeah, it can be confusing. It can be disorienting. That's when temptation comes in our thoughts. And there are hopes of us running from God completely. But the confusing in between is not where God wants us to wait in. He wants us to wait in him. He wants us to wait in his word. He wants us to wait on the truths and the promises that he's already shared with us. And listen, God is, in, is not in a rush. God is with us in the waiting. It says in Psalm 23, 4, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. We need to learn that we learn things even in the dark. In Psalm 18, God parts the heavens to come down in dark clouds, making darkness his covering. There are things that we learn in the darkness that we cannot learn in the light. We need the both, the light and the dark. That leads to the third phase, let the old birth the new. Grieving is not just letting go, it's also letting it bless. When you look at the central message of Jesus and the Bible, that there is suffering and there is death, but that suffering and death brings resurrection and transformation. Jesus is risen from the dead and is what enables us to affirm that endings are always a gateway to new beginnings. That's why Jesus says in John 12, 24, Very truly I tell you, Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Resurrection only comes out of real death. And our losses, our losses are real. But as we pay attention, we wait on God in our grief, no matter how long it takes, God over time, he births resurrection. There is life after loss. And in order for us to let the old birth the new, for, in order for us to uh, experience life after loss, I want to encourage us what we've been talking about all year and being rooted. This, there is an importance of being rooted in prayer and in God's word and in community. After Job lost everything, he still prayed to God. Like we said, he didn't hold back. But he expressed everything that he was feeling to God. It didn't matter if it came out of anger. C.S. Lewis said we must learn to lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. The importance of being rooted in prayer. The importance of being rooted in God's word. You don't get to experience the birth of something new without the word of God. And we need the truth to defeat the lies that loss tells us. And we need community. Listen, Jesus is the only one with resurrection power, but God puts the power and healing in community, real biblical community. So if you're grieving today, if you're facing that loss, don't forget, be rooted in prayer, be rooted in God's word, be rooted in community, 
But to take that even deeper in this journey that we all go through, be vulnerable in your prayers. Be vulnerable with God's word. Be vulnerable with your biblical community. Because our culture portrays vulnerability as weakness. You know, we're a social media-driven world. And there's this facade that we have to portray a certain image. And when something bad happens, everybody's thinking, well, how are they going to face it? How are they going to look? How are they going to... Our culture says don't show weakness. But vulnerability opens us up to healing. God cannot bless who, he, who we pretend to be. So we need to keep saying, God, here is my mess, and I invite you to meet me where I'm at. It's okay to be vulnerable with God. He knows where we are. It's okay to be vulnerable with biblical community. Because we need each other, church. So many of us face a loss and we begin to shut the doors when we need to be saying, please, come surround me. I need you. It doesn't matter how big or how large the loss is. How we grieve, we need to grieve together. Not only do we need to be vulnerable in our prayers and with God's word and in biblical community, but we need to make declarations in our prayers. Declaration with God's word. Declarations with our community. Declaration is so important. It's important for us to spend time alone with God and read scripture and to know it, but it's even more important to speak it out loud. It says faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And we must say out loud what God has declared over us. It's not, it's not minimalizing the loss that you've experienced, but it's lifting up in who God is and who is in control and who is sovereign in our lives. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that God of the universe, he fights by our side. He knows exactly what we're holding on to. He knows exactly what we're walking through. He knows exactly how much hurt and pain we are in. He knows exactly how confused we are right now. He is with us every step of the way. But we need to still declare out loud if we want to see the old birth the new. We need to surround ourselves with one another so that my brothers and my sisters can declare these truths over me as well. And I know right now, I know, I know we are hurting. I know there are many of us in this room that are listening to the sound of my voice. You are hurting and it's even hard to see where God is. If you've experienced that loss, if you're, if you're in a grieving season, if you've experienced failure, if you're experiencing tr struggles and sufferings, and you feel left confused, do not be confused in what God's word says and what his promises say. There are many promises that God has made to us. Promises like God will strengthen you. Ephesians 3, 14 to 16. God 
promises to give you rest, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30. God promises to take care of all your needs, Philippians 4, 19. God promises to answer your prayers, Matthew 7, 7. God promises to work everything out for your good, Romans 8, 28. God promises to be with you, Joshua 1, 5. God promises to protect you, Psalm 91, 2. God promises you to be freed from your sin, 1 John 1, 9. God promises that nothing can separate you from him, Romans 8, 38, 39. God promises you everlasting life, John 3, 16, and so many more. Our loss, our struggles, they don't have victory over us. And our God is our victor, and you can declare these over you as well. To have victory. Listen, our God is alive, and if we continue to follow the way of biblically grieving, there's resurrection over time. When we grieve God's way, we are changed forever. But we hold back the transformation if we don't have the courage to participate fully in His process. So listen, we're all going to face deaths and losses. But the choice is whether these deaths will be terminal, crushing our spirits and crushing our lives, or will it open us to new possibilities and depths of transformation in Jesus. So listen, if you're grieving today, we grieve with you. And whatever pace you want to walk in this grieving journey, we stand with you and we walk with you. But transformation will come, but only in the way of the cross. Because Jesus was grieving for what was to come, but he still faced his loss head on. And we will too together, church. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are. And I'm thankful that you hear our prayers. I'm thankful you see us where we are at. And you have not abandoned us. And God, I pray in this moment, God, we reach out to you. God, we need you. God, many of us in this room and and watching online today, we are hurting. We've been hurting for a long time. And God, I want to I want to grieve in the way that I know that's going to see life through this. It's not, it's not forgetting what's happening. It's not forgetting. It's not letting go. It's completely letting God in and to do only what he can do. God, we, I pray in, this morning that we can enlarge our souls through this process of grieving and our losses. To recognize it. To wait for you, God. And to see you birth something new and that only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.